the way I look at it, it's like, okay, well, then they're this and they're that. You're not going to change who they are, but how can we adapt as a business to make sure we create a flourishing environment that thrives? So I think it's important to think about that too in the context of autonomy, accountability, but also passion and zone of genius. Hello and welcome to the Winners Find a Way show. I am your host, Trent Clark, CEO of Leadershipity and AIM for NIL, an education firm all about getting those kids ready for NIL and entrepreneurship. And I am super excited to have another featured entrepreneur on my show today, Michelle Hacken. Michelle, how are you doing? I am great. I'm so honored to be on your show. Really excited to chat with you. Yeah. That, am I saying that right, by the way? Is it Michelle Hacken? Is that right? Am I saying it right? You're saying properly. it perfectly. Properly. Okay. All right. Properly. Yes. Because I know you have a, you know, it's hard to put your little height. What grave. do you call it? Accent grave. Yes. Thank you. And so I know that we don't get all those things always on this, but you have been a longtime entrepreneur. You are German and Canadian, both dual citizenship, very unique, a Canadian mom and a German dad. Right. And so lots of growing up. And I mean, you're a world traveler and it's interesting because what we've learned about you is that you're not only this world traveler and have this dynamic background, but you really rolled that intrigue and, and world issue of moving around and doing business into a business. Is that fair? Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely fair. So I love this. You owned Alpha Translations Canada, Inc. for a number of years, a major translation company, uh, which of course, you know, I, I, I was just flabbergasted last night as I saw somebody, I'm in Las Vegas working and I saw an AI, uh, what do they call it? They call it, it's not even me. It's a, like an avatar. It's an avatar. Yeah. And they showed an AI avatar of me doing an ad in French. Yeah. I don't speak French. I know it's cool, right? And they make your it, it sinks your lips and everything. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the whole thing. It's not me. I don't speak no. the language, and I'm like going, "This is crazy," right? Yeah. yeah so first of all, before we get going, Michelle, tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, okay, sure. So my website is michellehecken.com, just as it's spelled on the screen with one L. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Very easy. You can find me on LinkedIn, Shal Hecken. I think it's M Hecken. Instagram, same. And Facebook, also M Hecken. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you are an Edmonton, Canada resident. And at least for now. <laughs> at least for now, yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, world traveler, you never know, right? You in never fact, know. You and I actually had the pleasure of meeting up in New York I was there filming for a television show and you and I got to have lunch and, and actually tour the studio, which was kind of fun. Yeah. And man, it was just so great to catch up with a fellow entrepreneur organization member and hear a little bit of your story, which I think everybody's going to enjoy today because, you know, you really, you know, married young, you're booming and you get these two little girls and all of a sudden you start your company and you're like, oh, hey, well, of course I got to work 20 hours a week to be successful, right? Like, and you do what it takes, right? Winners find a way. And, but something's got to give. And that is just not easy. You're a wife, you're a mom, you're a CEO. And it's like, holy heck, right? And you introduced a term to me that I'd never heard before in my life. Well, at least in this way. Yeah, I've never heard it in a positive way. Yes. You have created 
absolutely fabulous value and created a movement around offboarding. Yeah. And if I heard offboarding in the past, I would have said, yeah, I need to offboard this employee who's killing everybody. <laughs> you know, they just, they're yeah. wearing everybody down. I need to offboard them out of here. You know, like, they need to get out. So, yeah. Yeah. Offboarding has been probably associated more with firing, I would say, or, or transitioning someone out, but not in your world. That's a very different thing. So I want to talk a little bit about, I and mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, what you got moving forward on that. But just why don't you tell us a little bit about how offboarding actually came about and how that actually came to place? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just before I jump in, it's kind of funny when I was working with my coach and I told her, I'm going to call this offboarding. She's like, no, 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 you can't do that. That's so yeah. negative. That sounds awful. And I'm like, well, great, because now we can capture some attention because what it really is about is firing yourself from certain things as the CEO so that your company can grow faster. I'm just taking the term and extending its, its context. So it's, it's really fun. I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. So how did my journey start? You alluded to it. I started my company in 93 with a fax machine because I was ahead of the technology game. And uh, <laughs> I went to my one client that I had in Germany and I was doing translations for them. And they're like, no, you're moving to Canada. We really like working with you. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. There's this amazing technology. And this was a large car manufacturer, right? And I'm coming, yeah. little 24 yeah. year old me saying, oh no, no, I can solve all your problems. There's yeah. a machine, it's easy. But it was really, really genius. And I called it my, my purple cow, you know, after Seth, Seth Golden's book, The, the Purple Cow, because I said, look, your translations are always urgent, always an afterthought. You always need them by yesterday. So I am now eight hours behind. When you put your translation on the fax machine at 5 p.m. and go home, that's when I get up. So I will translate this for you. And when you come back the next morning, voila, your translation wow. will be there. And yes. this was at a time where other translators were still typing on the typewriter and sending mm -hmm. By mail, 93, yeah. right? So we moved and I started this and it was called, I think I had like a tagline, like overnight overseas or something like that. Yeah. Nobody was doing it. So my company was global from day one. Everybody told me I was nuts. Yeah. I'm a mom with two babies in a brand new country because while I was born in Toronto, I hadn't grown up here. I didn't know anybody. I had no network, no connection, but now I'm starting this company and they're like, no, you can't do that. It's That's never going to work. And then I got things like, and, and I'm sure the female listeners of your show will appreciate that. It's like, oh, that's nice that you're doing something on the side while you're raising yeah. your kids. Good for you, right? And I'm like, no, no, I'm building a company. So like you mentioned, eventually 20 hour days, working and then I needed to just really find a cut because what happened is I got fired from my own life. I was an entrepreneur, I had my business, but I was always not showing up for doctor's appointments, not showing up for hair appointments, not showing up for my friends because I didn't know from one day to the next what would show up in my 40 feet of thermal paper fax rolled up on the floor. And so I was getting fired from my own life because all I was doing was working. And, and I had this pivotal moment where I realized if I don't make a change, my daughters are going to fire me from their lives one day mm. because I will not have been there. And I still get goosebumps when I think yeah. about it. It was like, yeah. I, I remember that moment. It's like, oh my goodness. And so I'm like, okay, gonna do this differently. So I just 
decided that I can have it all, that I can have a successful company and be an amazing mom and have a great relationship with my daughters. And that's kind of where I started to what I now call offboard myself from my company, where I said, I'm not going to translate anymore. Then I was proofreading 20 hours a day while training the translators. Then eventually came the big cut. And I'm like, okay, I am not going to do this anymore. I am responsible for bringing revenue into all of these translators that I've now trained to rely on me. So I completely changed my job description. And that was essentially the beginning of what I now call the offboarding process that I've refined over the last 20 probably 15 to 20 years that I, I had my company, which resulted in me working four to 10 hours a week, growing faster, scaling faster, and, and having a higher multiple in my exit. So the offboarding is firing yourself. So it is related, but it's a little different. I love it. And, you know, I think you do such a good job of painting that picture, right? Of my friends are offboarding, right? Yeah. It's going in a negative direction, getting into this space where, man, like, you know, it's bad when your best friend's like going, yeah, I don't know if we can be friends anymore, right? Yeah. And you're like, wait, like, if she's thinking that, is my husband thinking he doesn't really want to be married anymore? Yeah, who knows, right? <laughs> you know, like, who else is thinking this, right? Yeah. And so it's like, whoa. So that's a real. That's a real shot, right? It's a real shot. And so I love the idea that you pivoted your vantage to like, okay, and this is the premise of the show, Michelle. I mean, winners when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win, right? Exactly. And man, I mean, I just think like, boy, the data is clear, right? When you start getting, and maybe it wasn't clear then until all of a sudden these things start happening. You're like, oh my gosh, there's another losing KPI. I just lost another Huge. friend. I just, my vendors who I pay actually don't want to work with me to do my hair because I'm so unreliable, right? And you're like going, wait a minute, like, what if I were that? Because as a business owner, you got to think, what if I was doing that? What if my people yeah. said they, you know, and I'm like, this isn't who I want to be, right? No. And so, so we instantly have to find a way to win. And so all of a sudden it's going to be, I'm going to be training. I'm firing myself from all these things. Um, editor, you know, uh, proofreader, and I'm going to focus on sales and revenue because that's what I can do really well. It's a superpower. And I need an integrator. I need a COO. I need those that can do this every day that don't need me. Right. And you know, uh, on that note, I hired my COO at a time when revenue wise, I think I was just over a million dollars. Yeah. And every, like my mentors, business people I talked to, and, and there weren't a lot available. Like, remember, I didn't know anybody, but I was trying to find somebody to talk to. Yeah. And they were all saying, no, 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 that you're crazy keep the money. Why are you paying somebody else to do this for you? And yeah. it was just very clear to me. It's like, okay, my business is set up to make more money. I have a unique, well, not unique, but I, I'm very good at growing the business and making money. But I have a family and I want to make sure I'm spending time with them. And I didn't want to choose. So when you think about it, when everybody was firing me from my own life, I could have just given up. But like you say, winners find a way. And I was able to make both work. And we can really quantify that, right? We can really get in and go, hey, listen, I'm going to hire someone that's going to cost me like $200,000 a year. And like, yeah. you only make like one, two. Like, like, no, no, I know. But like, what I do know is that when we get clarity around that person doing a fabulous job, 
they show the exact way that they're going to pay for themselves. By doing this, I'm going to create $100,000 in efficiency, which also frees you up 15 to 20 hours a week to just work on revenues, and which historically you've been able to produce $50,000 a week in that time if you have those kind of hours in yes. what would create. And you're like, oh, well, let me just do 15, 20, 50,000 times 50 weeks because I have no problem affording you then. Like, exactly. Really easy. And, and, we're, and most people are just not thinking in the numbers. No, they're not. And it's funny because I was thinking that way, but I was like maybe 30 at the time. And, you know, I didn't trust myself like I do now. Yeah. I didn't know. I was flying by the seat of my pants. I did what I thought was right. And yeah. now in retrospect, yes, it was right. And I also noticed that I have a lot of, of wisdom and experience that I'm I just love sharing with other people as well, because there are different ways that we can do things, right? And and if we think about it, I actually just, just had a conversation. I just want to throw that in about the 50,000 and how, you know, I can focus on generating revenue. When I talk to some of my coaching clients and I, I try and we talk about offboarding, like my, my goal is always right away to get 10 hours off of their schedule, off of their week really quickly, okay? So that they have time to really focus on the rest of the process. But what happens happens is people or entrepreneurs don't really understand the value of their own time. So for example, if somebody has a $5 million business and they're working 60 hours a week, their run rate is, and I don't have the exact math, but around $1,500, $1,600 an hour is their worth, right? Now, if they're operating on a 50% margin, they got to bring in $3,200 worth of revenue to make it worth their time to just focus on that. And when we think about money in versus time and what the output is, it's very easy to let go of a lot of things. Clarity is just so important. I think that's so good. I mean, I quantify a lot of meetings because you and I both meet with a lot of high-end players, mm -hmm. right? And they're creating a lot of value. They have multi-million dollar organizations. And so when someone calls me and says, hey, Brent, we really want you to come in and speak to our leadership team and we're going to develop this system together and have some fun and grow the company. And I love that, right? When I get these people for eight hours, I have maybe five to eight executives that are likely no less than $1,000 an hour value creators. So we're operating at five to $8,000 at eight hours. We're going to have a $40,000 a day that's got to show value. So yeah. I just took $40,000 of expense out of your deal. And we want to know instantly, like, hey, where's the 200000 that we get back? Because exactly. we got to have some ROI, right? And I want to think that way. I want to think like you should expect to create value because if you're coming here sitting on your hands and not willing to contribute and add value, I I don't think you're helping us. I agree. And it goes so much further. Like I, I have a client that I'm working with now. I'm working with the CEO and the CO integrator, as well as their entire leadership team, because the process is really about purposeful strategic delegation and getting clear on what your time is worth, what your activities are worth, which KPIs they go to. And when we walk through that process, it, it's very simple and people just get to see, wow, oh, that's what it looks like. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Unlock the full potential with your business with Leadershipity. Our proven strategies have fueled growth for countless organizations. Ready to elevate your leadership and scale your success? Book your free 15-minute consultation now. Click the link in the show notes below and let's make your business soar. It's one of those, huh? 
moments for everybody. Like, I think we're back to Pareto, right? It's an 80-20. Yeah. Like, we're just like, 100%. hey, these things are huge value to you and you better know what they are and what they aren't. Because I, I agree with you. Most entrepreneurs get in the gig because they have some skill set. They can sell something. They can design something. Yeah. You're an artist. And I'm sure you really appreciate the fact yeah. what most people don't know about you, Michelle, is that you create these really large oil paint, gorgeous work. Yeah. And this is something you need to do for your peace of mind. And, yes. and I don't know if you're getting paid for that, <laughs> but you know, like this is something you love to do. And you recognize there's a value to that time. There's a value to that effort. And, yeah. and so when people are getting real clear about like, whoa, my 20% and, and kind of getting you back to the four to 10 hours that Michelle produces all this revenue for our organization yeah. because she's not having to worry about, hey, is, is uh, did Jenny get to work on time? Is Has Bill done these pickups? Okay. Uh, have, have, yeah. we, have we communicated with Mercedes-Benz? Like, hey, listen, man, like I, that's not my bailiwick anymore. No. That's somebody else's role that's managing that. And that's only taking away from how I create the biggest and best value here. Absolutely. And it's so true. We're always told you're a member of entrepreneurs organization and maybe some other organizations that as yeah. we all are, but as leaders, we're always told we need to work on our business and not in it, which is absolutely true. I don't think there's a single entrepreneur or leader who has not heard that. The challenge is nobody tells you how to do it. So we guess and we're like, okay, I need to work less. So then we delegate stuff off of our plate, but without clear intention. We're delegating things and mm. we're keeping things. We don't know what the value is. We're just not clear. We're only measuring time. And when I work with a client through the offboarding process, it really is, yes, time. But I mean, the point is not just to create time for the, for the leader and the CEO. It's to create more value in the organization and to make the company better while living our best life. It's always about both, right? Yeah. So when we get that clarity of, first of all, what is my time worth, right? If I have a hundred million dollar company, do the math. It's very expensive time. And yeah. if you're not focusing your time on bringing in the next $50 million contract, you're really not pulling your weight. And the bigger the numbers get, the weirder it becomes, but it still is true. And the less we work, the more value we have to produce. But that is the beautiful thing because the less we work, the less we get distracted and we can really focus on what brings that value. Yeah, it's such a great lesson for everyone out there that it seems simple. Right. No, I mean, no, we've all been told it. We know what we're supposed to do. Right. And we're like, oh, the how to becomes the issue. Right. The right. real how to becomes the battle. You know, it's one of the things that is probably a big value. And I, I and I know you're an artist as a painter. I'm going to use sports because I know that well. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of the transitions from sports to business that I think people really get is they really can get coachability from a, someone like you in this because ready one, they're ready for it. Two, they really understand that in good teams, I put the right people in the right place to be yes. effective, right? I don't send the kicker out there to, to tackle someone because they're not very good at it, right? And so, and they're usually little people, right? And like, yeah. this is someone, someone's gonna get hurt. Like, and so we really find out like, 
hey, this is your power and your strength, and I want to put you in a position to be successful. And I know these kind of things that I can slot you in for, and I also know what I shouldn't be slotting you in for. You know, if you're a, if you're a large person that weighs 280 pounds, you're probably not going to run fast away from people, so we yeah. don't give you the ball, right? And so yeah. there's there's all these things that. It seems like for most athletes, that's just common sense. But in a business, we have to understand the roles. We have to understand how they do it. And I think leaders really miss this, Michelle. I think they really miss the fact, like, not thinking deeply through what my needs are, what are the key roles, what are what are the challenges in this role, and who is in position and prepared to manage this role and the challenges for it. Who has that superpower? Like, for example, you know, and I think this is right up your alley. If we had to do an oil painting on this beautiful canvas, please don't hire Trent Clark to do this. This is going to be bad, right? Like, this is not. Well, you never know. No, it no, might no. Be it's going to no, no, be bad. Like, like, <laughs> it's going to be bad. I'm telling you right now, like zero but skill set, by the way, and zero patience and zero interest and zero desire and zero knowledge of what good right. might look like. So like I am filling out like all the buckets of, hey, let's get a hell no on that guy. Right. Yeah. And so it's like if I looked at across organizations, there are three people in a 20, let's say a 50 person organization. There are three people that are checking five hell no's and they're doing it and and they're going, wow. I, I don't understand why Jim is so unproductive over there. I, I don't know why Bukesh is having such a challenge. And I'm like, because uh, this isn't what he went to school for, and he's not, and he's struggling with this, and he has zero interest in it. And he's a smart guy. So you're thinking like, oh, well, he's really he smart, and, and he knows how to do a computer. Like, okay, but that doesn't mean this is what he wants to do and has all this knowledge in this. And we miss that all the time. I, Trent, I love this so much. I I'm not big into sports, but I still use sports analogies. But what you just said, of course, being, you know, the expert and the coach and, and the trainer with all of your experience, and you've helped so many people become great as a coach in what you've done, what you just described as this analogy is so perfect because what do we ask in interview questions? What are your strengths and weaknesses? The challenge with that is those are words. When you're a sports coach and somebody says, my strength is that I can run really fast. Well, you're going to see very quickly oh, yeah. if they can run very fast or not, right? Yeah. So when we... Oh, I kind of lied about that on my resume. That's going right. to come out in the first 15 seconds of the first practice, right? But not in an organization. That's right. And so I have a couple of little pointers, like just analogies. I love that cross-reference that, that you just created. Because what I look at, and even back in my organization, I didn't care about strengths and weaknesses. I cared about... Yeah. What energizes you and what are the things you really need to push yourself for? Because yeah. strength, like my example always was, I'm a great writer. I mean, I'm a translator by trade. I studied literature, yeah. but I procrastinate on it. Is it a strength? Yes. Do I hate it? Yes. So I'm not going to be good at it, but we don't make that connection to those yes. two things. And yeah. I have clients all the time saying, oh, do you have a job description for a COO? Yeah. I'm like, sure, I do. Google has a million. That will not help you get clear on what's on your plate, what lights you up, what your zone of genius is, your superpower. Focus, again, 
80% of your time on that. But that time then also becomes a lot less because you're very clear and let the rest go. And you can cascade this through the entire company. So I have one example, project managers, different time zones, different countries, different cultures. They all have the same job description. They all, and this is not even senior management level, right? This is project management level. And they would burn out after they put through X amount of revenue, let's say 700,000, okay? And, and this is an actual example. And so we went in and we said, okay, you all have the same job description. Just do one thing, highlight what energizes you in green and, you know, in blue, what takes more energy from you. And we did that. And then we said, okay, can you move this around without affecting client service? And we went from 700,000 to a million dollars in revenue throughput because people were working in their zone of genius. There were people who were shy, didn't want to talk with clients, but they were always on time with the admin, with the invoices, with everything. And it was insane. Like that is straight to the bottom line. And, And it's about employee happiness. It's about retention. So when we look at that at the top level as well, whatever is there that doesn't energize you or doesn't have high value, maybe it does energize you, but it, you know, maybe a $120 an hour activity. Well, then we need to move that along to other people and whatever is left over becomes the job description for somebody else and then people know exactly what they need so i get so excited about this because it's so simple but effective it seems so simple right it just seems like common sense but you know one you have to ask you have to ask the questions of your team members you have to get out there and find out i want to i use the quadrant system love hate line right i love above this i hate it below that and and so here's this thing and i really use like dislike right but i dislike these things below the line and this obviously this this top left quadrant is this massive of my superpower i like to do it it gives me great energy i get i get jazzed to do it and probably most people recognize like oh my gosh Michelle, you're a hero for this. I love you. And you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And you get a lot of recognition. And then there's the other one up top, which, hey, I still like this stuff. I still get a lot of energy from it. Again, probably rewarded over this over the years. People recognize this skill in you. Then boom, the line. And then boom, that lower ca- that lower left quadrant is the danger zone because it's, I don't like it, but I'm good at it. Yep. And it's like, oh, so my story of that is, you know, years ago, young guy, you know, doing my business and we have report days on Friday and I have to run the Excel sheet to do our reporting, which I'm pretty decent on Excel at that time. I can manage Excel. I can, I like numbers, but I absolutely loathe this report and pulling all the data and getting it together. I, you know, rather shoot myself in the foot. So when do you think I start this project for my Friday 8 a.m. meeting? Typically somewhere between 11 p.m. and 12, thinking this is going to take me three hours, which it yeah. never takes me probably more than 45 minutes. But I think the worst of it, I finally get started. Of course, I'm half asleep because it's the middle of the night and I make errors all over the place. My team laughs every Friday morning about how crappy this is. And I take <laughs> the butt of the joke of how bad it is. I finally realize I must offboard myself as I bring in a new young lady onto the team team who is just, you know, an Excel genius. And like, if there's data, you know, she lights up in the Christmas tree because it's her top left quadrant, right? Exactly. She's like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, and so here's my deal. I go, Teresa, 
this is a major project. Everyone relies on this report. It's a massive part of our team. And I don't know if you're up for it, but I want to give you this challenge. And I just think that you could really shine here and show all the team what you could do. And if you can't do it, it doesn't work out. I'll pull it back. But do you think that you're up for this? And she's like, you know, I can do it. You know, I'm ready. And I'm yeah. like, all right, Teresa, you know, I'll give it to you. And this is the first Friday. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is miraculous. Teresa, you're the best in the <laughs> yeah. world. Trent, you're a total idiot. You know, like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. There's no errors in this thing. And everybody's raving. <laughs> Teresa gets all the notes, which is great. And I've offboarded myself. Yes. Like, and my shoulders drop two inches yes. because I don't have to think about this every Thursday yes. night. In fact, I'm thinking about meeting our biggest and best clients on Friday for lunch and prepping on how I'm going to grow my business with great partners that I like to be with doing the things I want to do instead of being exhausted going, oh, I, I totally forgot to talk to Diana about this new thing we want to roll out because I'm so tired from the night before from jacking around with a report I didn't want to do. Yeah, 100%. And that is an amazing example where you strategically also pick something and you communicated the outcome. You know, a lot of people, when they delegate, they keep the Excel sheet on their desk till the last minute. And it's like, not just on their desk, right? It's in their mental load and it's in their gut. Because mm. I bet you on Wednesday already, you're like, oh, tomorrow I have to do this. All Every day week. Thursday, Ugh. right? Every week. So that is actually not healthy. And it, it, not just the Thursday night you're wasting time, you're wasting time all week thinking about the stuff you need to do that you don't want to do. That adds up, right? And it drains your energy more because it doesn't just drain it when you're doing it. It drains it all week already because it's so yeah. dreaded, right? But when we, and that's how we typically, most people will delegate, they'll keep it on their desk till the last minute. And then they realize they don't have the discipline that Trent does to sit through Thursday. And then they give it off to somebody else at the last minute, but not with that enthusiasm. This is a responsibility. The team relies on this. As you said, they'll typically say, hey, can you put these numbers in the Excel sheet? They don't say what it's for. They don't mention the importance. They don't mention the context. Yeah and value. So when we're looking at value within our lives and within the organization, and if we can get people working 80% of the time on the stuff that that is their zone of genius, and just by that example, 700,000 to a million, I mean, it's the value that it creates in the organization is stupendous. And people are happier. And, and here's what I want people to understand, Michelle, and this is so important. You got very intentional about that exercise. How long did it take you to get that data and do the exercise with your people. Back in my company? Oh yeah, that was obviously we were learning, right? I didn't go in and say, okay, I invented offboarding and this is what we're gonna no, do. No, now, no, right? no, I no, no, I, no, but what I'm getting at is like, once you got intentional and you ask them oh, to yeah. do this, you acquired that data, I would guess in less than less two than to three week. days. Yeah, it was about a week because everybody was working in different time zones okay. and they also so, had a had to find a solution to yeah. bridge that, right? So yeah, it was about a week. By the way, who's Tim Ferriss? You were the original geo-arbitrage person. <laughs> you were the one who created virtual assistants working overnight and getting 24 hours of production for, for a big German auto manufacturer when they didn't even know it was possible. So yeah. I think you should have wrote the four-hour work week. But You know what? It's um, true. And I've, I've read the book, Trent. I've read the book and, and it is really true. But of course, it wasn't like that at first. And I was lucky in the sense 
that you know how scarcity sharpens the mind. I was in Canada. My clients were in Germany. If they had a question, guess what? My phone was ringing in the middle of the night, right? And then once I hired project managers, now they had to make the decisions that they they had to have full authority with the client if I didn't want to be on the phone all night. So I had to create a system that provided clarity, accountability, and also allowed people to make mistakes within a certain realm of perimeter. So I had to set that up. And so part of what is part of belongs to the offboarding process is also getting clarity and and eliminating risk and empowering your people. I had to empower my team. I had no choice. And it's so funny because when I sold my company in 2019 and then in 2020, I was like, oh no, work from home, remote, hybrid. How do we do this? And I'm kind of giggling to myself. It's like, I did that for 30 years. It's not that hard, but uh, you know, it's new and people don't, you know, wrap their brain around it, but I I had no choice. So I had to create it and now I can take what I've created and teach it to others. Yeah, as entrepreneurs, we're not too nervous about a stay at home who've traveled the world and created millions of revenue on a laptop. Anywhere we're at and a phone, you know, like make it happen, right? And I think, so that didn't make us too nervous. I also had the advantage of we had homeschooled our children at that point. Ah. Probably uh, my 25-year-old, I guess, when that happened was 22. So we had about over 18 years of homeschooling. So we weren't too nervous about going home to do, you know, to do work exactly how we could do that. So, um, but, but, you know, I think you make the great point. What a mass of return on investment of one week into your folks to go to gain and glean this mass of clarity. And, and, and I'm sure the restructure took a little time and took a few minutes and we had to do a couple iterations of how we get that right. So we've got enough coverage of our superstars, each place, and maybe even identified some hiring gaps that maybe we could do better. And, but exactly. what to build your business because guess what? I've now identified what I need. So now I know the right questions to ask when I bring yes. someone in. Exactly. And you're bringing somebody in who lights up when they hear the things that are de-energizing for everybody else because yeah. there are people who love different things. And so whether you know, that's on the executive or, you know, throughout the team description for a new hire. Like it's so easy. I just hired somebody for a project and and I really rarely have this happen and I'd love to see it happen more. Right. But we, we're getting better about what it entails and the job and the role and how it's going to shake. And this young lady was just full of them, vigor, just energy. And by the way, she's two months in and just killing it. Right. Wow. And you know, she heard about the job and she was so excited. She's like, I don't even know if you have to pay me. This is exactly where I want. This is the level of excitement in someone who recognizes I'm going into my wheelhouse of superpower. Everybody else look out. I'm going to get energy. I want, I want to meet these people in this space, which as you know, in my world, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing for people. And I'm like, man, you know, when I hear that kind of enthusiasm, I want everybody on my team to kind of have that kind of enthusiasm, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's so fun. And when we think about future generations or even the current Gen Z, we're coming, you know, next one is going to be Gen Alpha starts over again. But Gen Z, I mean, we come from a generation where, I mean, 
since we're entrepreneurs, but most people in our generation and our parents worked in the company for 20, 30 years and were excited to, you know, get the gold watch at whatever for retirement, yeah. right? And then it transitioned, but now just this awareness is almost call it global awakening of be it mindfulness or awareness or, you know, the value that we only have one life. And these younger generations are embracing that they're shedding these old beliefs that have hold us back, have held us back. And when we think about what do they want, they want a challenge. They want fulfillment. They want to work in their zone of genius. They want to be inspired every day. They want to work towards their purpose. Isn't that what we all should want? It's beautiful. But most yeah. companies are not set up for it. And when we can kind of look at it and say, okay, if we now have a Gen Z or later on an alpha, we can ask those same questions and we can get much more clear and have more people like you just said, that young lady, which is probably Gen Z, so excited because that's what you want. It's not about the money. It's about that enthusiasm and that fulfillment. And I really think it's important to look at this in lieu of what's happening in the next 10 years. Because I have clients who, and, and we all have friends. I mean, we, we're both in EO. It's not just clients. It's, it's other entrepreneurs who are like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to deal with this generation. They're this and they're that and they're this and they're that. And, and the way I look at it, it's like, okay, well, then they're this and they're that. You're not going to change who they are, but how can we adapt as a business to make sure we create a flourishing environment that thrives? So I think it's important to think about that too in the context of autonomy, accountability, but also passion and zone of genius. Yeah, I think it's a great, you know, you use terms that I don't use, which is great. And I really appreciate it. I really want, I want everyone to feel like they contribute and create value yes. for the greater good of the organization. And, you know, having won a world championship, you realize that everybody has a part, right? And they have a role in that. And you really just don't do it without everyone. And everyone goes, oh, well, you know, is the person cleaning the stadium important? Like, yeah. You're important. Like no one wants to come in and stick to the seat. They don't show up and they don't support the organization. And, you know, people taking the tickets and people making phone calls and making balance in the books and making sure people get paid for their travel and making sure. It's the front line of the brand. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy that there's so many inputs and at the end of the day, I want people to feel like their value is that they're making this contribution. And by the way, as much as is important, when they don't make that contribution, we're less of a team. We're, we're, we're not yes. good. And if you don't make your contribution, the team doesn't go as well. Like it's kind of, you know, I like, I, you know, I'm a team guy and you, but I want to give it for somebody else, like who doesn't always do the sports. Like, you know, I, I love music and you know, if you're going to listen to a beautiful symphony, can you imagine, you know, if the wind session just said, you know what? I mean, he, he called us in to play, but we decided we're taking this one off. Like, yeah. The song's going to sound terrible, right? This is yeah. going to be awful. Everyone's going to be like, wait a minute, I, I come in off your cue and I was ready. And what happened? You didn't do your role. And yeah, like everyone is jangled. And it's going to sound like your fourth grade symphony, right? Which is yep. many of us as parents have sat through that. Really, God bless that instructor. All right. You know, like, but it's not going to sound like the Philharmonica because, and so when we're asking that, I want people to take responsibility for that. I yeah. want them to take ownership that, hey, you really hurt the symphony today. And 
I'm sure the people listening probably thought that was a pretty crappy performance. Like what happened that you decided, well, I'm not going to play when you tell me to play. Yeah. So it's a challenge. It's a beautiful analogy because that's exactly what happens. The outcome is only as good as not just the sum of our parts, because the sum in itself doesn't really matter that much. What matters is how they play and interact together. And you Mm -hmm. said something really important. You said responsibility and accountability. And a lot of times what happens is we delegate a task, but we don't give the responsibility or accountability for the task. So then as leaders, we're still carrying it in our head. But in the moment, it feels good. So we do it again and again and again. And then one day we wake up in the middle of the night and we can't remember who we gave what to. And then we start going back to everybody and meddling and micromanaging. And it's just a waste of time. But when we give responsibility and context and accountability, then people can show up and do their best. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your new coaching online service, Art of Offboarding. And man, when I think the art of offboarding, it really is an art. I mean, I would love to say, Michelle, oh, I've got this in. I'm 53 years old. I've owned companies for over 30 years. I'm a brilliant guy who knows how to offboard myself. Awful. I'm terrible. Like I I could be so much better at this. Like it's amazing how many gaps in my program. Right. And so, and, and it starts with me. And so I have to own that. And so when we think about the art, let's talk about why you called that the art. I mean, I know you're an artist, but this isn't easy. It's simple. It's simple. But not easy. What makes it not easy is not necessarily the process. The biggest obstacle I've seen entrepreneurs face when they try and do that is to give themselves permission and to shed old beliefs. For example, I need to work really hard to make money. And hard becomes synonymous for the stuff you don't like doing. So it's almost like a self punishment that you're only allowed to make money if you do all the things that you don't like, instead of looking at the value that we're creating. There's guilt and misconceptions about servant leadership. I'm a huge fan of servant leadership. And at the same time, it gets misinterpreted so much of the time to mean, I need you to see that I'm doing the same thing as you so that I feel like a good leader, which of course we all know is crap, but it's the permission. It's the, the mindset. It's the beliefs. It's being able to say, Oh, okay. So if I'm changing this to a value proposition. Now I'm actually generating more value in less time, which can then give me the permission to do that. But we've grown up with a lot of these beliefs. So what is hardest about it is the permission and the being okay and not feeling guilty. And and that's why I love this program so much and why I actually put it into an online course because I coach entrepreneurs one-on-one. I do work with executive teams and CEOs as well. And by the way, you rightfully said it starts with you. It has to start with the leader of the organization, right? Otherwise it just doesn't work. But here's the thing. Once we start looking at what's really happening here, it takes away the selfish part. So when I I work with with entrepreneurs one-on-one, obviously my time is fine. I know a lot of companies just having been around the block a few times, and you're a bit younger than me, that so many people really 
want to do this. So many entrepreneurs want to do this. They might not have the budget to hire me as a full-time coach. And I'm kind of the only one doing this the way I'm doing it because I invented it. So it's not like, oh, you can hire somebody else to help me offboard because they're not going to know what you're talking about. So I just wanted to make it more accessible to entrepreneurs because I'm only me and um, so that they can do the self-learning and so get coaching with me so that they can offboard themselves and, and, and grow their companies, create more value in an exit and more importantly enjoy their lives and create better lives for their team well i'm a huge fan of tools that create value right and you know this is one of the things i think that eo professional sports elite military have done very well is hyper learning 400 level right you know we don't need to know exactly the how a bunch of people came before us figured it out and man, they put tools in place and it's like, whoa, that's going to be massively helpful. And I don't have to go back and try to figure this thing out and do it. And so I think it's this hyper learning that I love so much that becomes the option. And I do believe that takes a little or a lot of humility to be like, wow, it's okay that people have some data and input and skill sets to help you and bring that data to you and help you move faster. Nothing wrong with it. Like, don't get all bent out of shape about it because this is great for you. And and I think that a lot of people want to, oh, I, I got to do it. And I really liked your statement about the leadership. You know, it's like, hey, everyone knows I'm a good leader because I roll up my sleeves too and get dirty. Like, is that the best use of your time right now? No. To go take the trash out and deliver stuff to FedEx? Because I You could be know. closing a $100 million deal, I don't know, or, you know, a ten thousand yeah. dollar deal, however big your yeah. company is, yeah. You can pay you can pay someone twelve bucks to take stuff over to FedEx. You know, like exactly. that's 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 not a high end position today. And quite frankly, you got seventeen, eighteen year old kids are thankful for it, right? Like, hey, of I'm course. learning. I'm around this environment. Somewhere to learn. Yeah. yeah. I'm around an environment that's moving fast and I'm learning a bunch of stuff and I'm seeing a bunch of stuff. They don't ask me to do the really complex stuff, but I get to see it and I'm watching it and I'm watching what people are doing. I'm watching and learning maybe where area my superpowers are going to be in and where yeah. I want to study. And when they need me, like I'm a courier, man. I take things to where they need to go. People are relying on that and, and it's important. And that's a huge contribution. And I'm thrilled that someone will do that for $12 an hour. And that's a big deal because at the end of the day, as we intertwine together, all the work, all the editing, doesn't matter if it doesn't get to the courier. So it's still the $12 job we need. And, And so I just think that people miss that. And my probably one of my most famous terms, and I hear it all the time and I use it all the time, is we're just walking over dimes. You know, we're walking over dollars to pick up dimes. And this is that classic example. If you don't know, you're doing it. You are doing it. I'm doing it. People are doing it. And people like Michelle Hecken are in this world and they have got tools to help you. And when you stop doing it, watch out. It's a big deal. Michelle, tell them again where they can find you. Well, it's michellehecken.com. And then I believe it's slash the art of offboarding. I will um, send you the link so that you can also share it and um, people can just reach out to me, find more information. And if you're curious about the course, it's on my website as well. Perfect. michellehecken.com. You can also reach out directly to Michelle at michelle at michellehecken.com. That's a lot uh, of Michelle's, is- but yes. 
Yeah. What's that? I said it's a lot of Michelle's. Michelle at MichelleHeckin.com. Yeah, that's yes. all right. That's all right. You know, they can't forget it, you know, which is good. Michelle, to, to wrap here, you create a lot of value for people in your company, for other people in their companies. Things have been tough. Things have been tough for the last few years. And some have been, you know, blessed and in the right position for some things that have happened and gained value. But then they've got emotional challenges. Then they've got mental health issues. Then there's other things going on. I mean, it just feels like, it feels like a lot. So if you know that people are challenged and they feel like, hey, this is an area in my life as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, as a you know business owner, as a director of marketing, whatever it is, wherever you're sitting, what, what would you tell someone who feels like today I'm losing and I need to find a way to win? And it's tough. You know, it, it is very tough. And with all that I've known and done and learned, of course, after the sale of my business, I am starting up again with, you know, my coaching and my course. And I will tell you, even as somebody who knows how to do this, there is a phase where you're basically onboarding and building with offboarding in mind. So I've gone through this, right? It is like, oh, why is this not working? Now I have to learn all of this and this is really hard and I feel like I'm in the peanut butter. And we all have that. And I think one of the, actually two things that I feel like are most valuable. The first one would be really go back to yourself and remember, as Simon Sinek calls it, your why. But I want to bring it like closer because sometimes when we have a big task, it's like it looks like this, like just this like massive thing. But we can put little steps into it, right? And if we then kind of take back and say, okay, I'm just going to do this one thing towards the school versus because sometimes when we become that overwhelmed, what do we end up doing? Nothing because there's too much to do and we don't know where to start. So if we can just say today, I'm going to do this one thing towards the school and really remember that it is you. Drop the shoulds. It's not about what everybody else thinks you should be doing. If I had listened to that, I wouldn't have hired a COO early on. I wouldn't have offboarded myself. I may have given up on my company completely. Remember what's in your heart and what you're doing it for. I think actually that's basically both of them wrapped up in one. And more often than not, when we veer off, it's a bit of a sign that we might be chasing a should that's not for us. So have the courage to realize what what your superpower is and don't feel guilty that you're not doing it exactly the same way as everybody else does it. Here's a funny little anecdote, if I may. So have you heard of Colby? It's a Colby, yeah, sure. Colby personality test. Okay. So it's funny. All my life, I, you know, do things or used to do things deadline, like last minute, let's go. And they'd always be great. And I got so much flack for it. You're not properly prepared. You know, you need to not do it last minute. You need to start two weeks before. And on the Colby report that I got back when I just did it, it said the do's and the don'ts. Do do things at the last minute. Do race the clock. Because for my profile, that's what works. Otherwise, I'm stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. And it was just such an, such a permission that I gleaned from that for myself, like a validation. It's like I knew it all along. So yeah. be true to yourself and what works for you. Love it. And for everybody, thank you for joining us on the Winners Find a Way show. Michelle Hecken, so glad you could join us today. Always lovely to see you and always nice thrilled to, to spend some time together. And learned a ton today. Just learned a ton today. And, and a lot about the art of offboarding. So got some work to do for me. I'm, I'm excited. And uh, for everyone else, please find us every Friday on the Winners Find a Way show, 1230 p.m., 
Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific, and you can reach and find all of our shows on the Leadership Idiot YouTube channel, as well as all your major podcast network wherever you get your podcasts that you are downloading. So until next time, we will see you then on the Winners Find Way show. Thank you so much for having me, Trent. Organizations come to me all the time with challenges of execution and communication with their teams. We help build a system through Bloom Growth and software that gives them simplification and prioritization. I teach, facilitate, and coach these organizations to literally double their value. If you're interested in gaining your individual and organizational growth, please email me at trent at leadershipity.com or click the link below and book a 15-minute call on my Calendly.